Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Full show today, all 90 minutes. We go right up until 7 o'clock. Red Sox baseball begins at 8.38. The first pitch is 9.38. Nathan Avaldi on the mound. Sox go for three straight against the Reeling Angels. And joining us now is our Red Sox and Bruins insider over at Ness and Tom Karen TC, how are you? Did you get enough sleep this morning after another late night out of, with the uh, West Coast? Yeah, we're getting there. It's been a uh, it's been a long week, no doubt about that. Between being out in Oakland in the red eye and doing these games late at night, uh, been a been a week. Yeah. Now, how do they decide the travel schedule? Because I was surprised to see you in Oakland, but not in Anaheim. So, what goes into making those decisions? Uh, Jemai was at a wedding, uh, and so it was either the choice of not having a sideline reporter, which they offered. They said, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. But I thought we were better served having somebody there, so I went out. Did you take it in a, in a uh, NBA Finals game out there? I did not. Like, uh, I mean, if you heard the whole uh, ongoing story we talked about out there, the, the Major League Baseball players thought it was too expensive to go. So certainly the uh, reporters who cover the team thought it was too expensive to go. Well, look, we always start with the Red Sox. I actually want to start with the Bruins today. If you are a veteran player trying to figure out your future, like David Pasternak, like Patrice Bergeron, how do you feel today about the state of the organization? Well, again, and I have no insight whatsoever. So let's preface it there. This is not something I've been talking to anybody about uh, knee deep in late night baseball. So <clears throat> I've been watching from afar like everybody else. But it seems to me that the, the the Bruins did not do this without consulting their players. And if you listen to what Don Sweeney said yesterday at the press conference, it seems pretty clear to me that and I, I am a big Bruce Cassidy fan. Uh, I think he got the raw end of this stick and uh, is in many ways, as so often happens in these things, the scapegoat for an underachieving team. But something's got to change, and and the Bruins decided it was him. But back to my original thought, I, I just it sounds like this decision came after a lot of discussion with a lot of players. Uh, and and listen, so often a really good coach, Joe Madden might be one of the great best managers in baseball right now. They thought they needed a new voice. Uh, clearly the decision here from the Bruins is that this team needed a new voice. And it sounded to me yesterday that that uh, Sweeney was uh, intimating that uh, that came from the players, which means they had to talk to Bergeron. Uh, you know, maybe DeBrusque doesn't want to go now, whatever was behind that. Uh, you heard Krejci's discussion come back up yesterday. Uh, was there something there? Krejci was pretty straightforward last year, middle of the year, saying, well, he never let me play with Pasternak yeah. when they moved Pasternak to the second line. So, uh, again, Bruce Cassidy, really good coach, tremendous person. I, I mean, one of the best people I've, I've gotten to know here uh, on the Boston sports scene. Uh, but there are times where even even a great coach and a great voice uh, is not the right one for this team. So I think to answer your question, uh, reading between the lines of what I heard from Don Sweeney yesterday, I think the veterans, youngers, the players here uh, are actually going to be a little motivated by a change. Now, who do they bring in? That'll be the interesting part. So do you think the Bruins then are a team on the same trajectory that they've been on? They're trying to win, and this is not going to be a step back because we've certainly seen, hey, Pasternak is a free agent after next year. They could move on from him. They could not bring Bergeron back, and they could go into full rebuild mode. You don't. It doesn't sound like you think that that's a possibility, though. Well, I, I think it's a possibility if Bergeron doesn't come back. I think it begins with Bergeron. If Bergeron is back, then they're, they're clearly trying to extend the window uh, at least another year. 
Uh, do they actually bring Krejci back? That would certainly indicate that they believe they can contend. Uh, listen, I mean, look at the Rangers. I mean, we've seen teams that uh, <clears throat> that you think are, are are in disarray or nearing the end of a run here, right? They move on from David Quinn and and look where they are now. So, I I, I do think that uh, that that they could go either way, but they could have gone either way last year, right? And they added Olmark and they made trades at the deadline that that clearly indicate you don't you don't bring Lindholm in with that contract thinking you're going to start a rebuilding pro- uh, process. So uh, I don't think it'll be a rebuild. Uh, will they contend? I mean, you got a lot of injuries, and some of these are going to be a while, right? Uh, we keep hearing uh, November, December on all these guys now, and, and impact guys, important guys, who are, uh, are going to recover from surgery. But I do think they believe that they are a playoff contender in the coming year. Tom Karen, Red Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Let's move over to the Red wait, Sox. Wait, wait, wait. Let's not move yet. Who's going to get the job? I thought that's how do you how do you go there without you, without telling me who's who do you think is going to get the job? Who do I think is going to get the job? That's yeah. why I'm asking you. Barry Trotz is out there. Uh, okay, so Paul Maurice is out Trotz. there. Barry Trotz is actually a very good friend of mine. And and I, I don't think there's any doubt. He's probably the best coach in the National Hockey League who's unemployed, which, again, tells you everything about the voice not fitting a team, right? There'd, there'd be no one better for any franchise. And that's the problem, right? There's probably eight franchises that want Barry Trotz to be their next head coach. But the question is, if, if you thought, and, and there's no doubt, they didn't say this yesterday, but there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of doubt that the Bruins feel that Bruce Cassidy was probably a little too candid at times, a little too tough, right? I, I always go back to the Charlie Coyle refused to shoot the puck on net, right? When, when he said that after a game, when he called out Grizzly, uh, he, when he calls out DeBrusque, uh, I, I, I just think, and, and I loved it because I think it was honest and transparent and, and the fans and media ate it up. Barry Trotz is one of the toughest coaches in the NHL. Yeah, I think they need. Uh, and, I think they're looking for a veteran coach with a softer disposition. And now, right? to you, I ask you who that guy is. Well, is it a veteran coach though? Is it Nate Lehman? Is it you know Nate Lehman, uh, the coach of Providence College uh, to a national championship, and is certainly a uh, one of the bright young hockey minds in the game. Um, you know, you mentioned there are there are multiple big names out there who could swoop in. Uh, so it's really, I think, I think you know to finalize your or my opinion on why they made this move away from Cassidy, I need to know who they're bringing in first. They bring in a a nice coach. They bring in a young coach. They bring in a player's coach. Well, then you know it's because they thought they needed to go a little more on the softer side, as you said. If it's Barry Trotz, and I love Barry Trotz, but he, you know, he he's tougher than Cassidy. Uh and and maybe that so so maybe the Bruins thought he wasn't tough enough. Uh so I think this is gonna be really interesting. It's it's pretty rare to, you know, in my opinion, when it, when a team moves on from a coach or a manager, that the, part of that equation is always who the new guy is going to be. But in this case, I really don't fully understand the move away from Cassidy until I know where they're going with their next coach. Here's what's crazy for me, since we're going to extend the Bruins talk, is that you know the thing I've heard a lot about in the last 24 hours is he wasn't great with young players, wasn't great with young players, but also could grade on veterans and what wasn't great at delivering the message. Bruce Cassidy was in minor league and developmental hockey for a decade before he got the Bruins job. The whole system of minor league hockey and developmental hockey is built on kind of 
fostering culture and understanding that winning isn't the most important thing. It's about developing players. So he either never had it and did this job for a decade or lost it somewhere in the last six years. I don't know which one it is, but like if you were doing that for a decade, I would think you would have that softer developmental side to you. Yeah, and it, it, that was the uh, complaint about Julian as well before him. You know, so so maybe nobody's good with kids anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> so. And, and that's my point about Nate Lehman. You know what I mean? If if you're gonna go, if that's what you think you need, why not go like the David Quinn route? Now it didn't work for the Rangers. David Quinn would certainly be a guy uh, who spent time at BU. Yeah, uh, who could come in? You know, so so. But maybe that's maybe you need someone who's dealt with college kids to come in and sort of be a guy who can deal with your younger players. I don't know. TC, let's move over to the Red Sox. Um, how concerned are you about this kind of lingering Xander Bogart shoulder issue? I'm a little concerned. Uh, Will Middlebrooks uh, told me that he connected with him real quickly on text and that uh, he said he's okay. Uh, and that, you know, Alex Cora said last night that he's already begging to be in the lineup tonight. I would assume they'll give him tonight off. Uh, they've been doing that. They they told uh, me in Oakland that they were going to rotate guys off through this road trip because it's been a lot of baseball. It was 10 games in nine days before the road trip. They had a day off, which was basically a travel day. We got it at 6 a.m. in Oakland. So that's not uh, exactly a refreshing day off. Uh, and and so I, I think everybody's going to get a day off. So it'll be Bogart's turn. Maybe he had to adjust that schedule to give him this game off, but I, I think that'll be the case. Uh, I, I think he'll be okay, but it's concerning because that was a while ago if it happened at Fenway Park, the initial collision, uh, and it's been bothering him ever since. So we're going to have to keep a close eye on it. Yeah, that May 20th game against Seattle, I think, where he and Verdugo ran into each other there. Um, interesting comments from Mookie Betts to WEI's Rob Bradford about how things went down for him in Boston. He basically said he never wanted to leave, but he also never got a good offer from them. They were interesting comments, but I don't know that there was anything revolutionary in there. Did did you think there was anything revolutionary that I'm missing? No, no. I, I you know, and I think the further away you go from it, uh, you know, the 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 more he's gonna say that. I I still believe from and not Mookie never said this, uh, but I have said this really throughout the entire process. I don't think Mookie bets necessarily ever wanted to leave Boston, but I'm not sure he had a burning desire to stay. And, and that's an important distinction. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, some guys love Boston. Some guys love the pressure, love the old school Fenway park, love the fan base, all of that. It, it brings, you know, Fred Lynn to go way old school, but there's been a lot of guys since then who think Fenway brings out the best in them. I don't think that was Mookie Betts. I don't think Fenway, meant any more or less or playing in Boston meant any more or less than playing anywhere else. Doesn't mean he wanted to leave. I think people who say, well, Mookie wasn't going to stay. He didn't want to stay. I don't think that's true. Uh, but I don't think there was, again, any burning desire to get the deal done and stay in Boston. I think he was going to hit free agency. I think they were going to be one of 30 teams to try to keep him. Uh, and, and they had whatever percent chance that is to keep him. Uh, should they, could they have outbid anybody else and everybody else and extremely overpaid even more than the deal he got? Sure. And then he might have stayed, but he might not have. And at the end of the day, Bloom was coming into this and, and decided that after 2019, not making the playoffs, <clears throat> they couldn't afford to lose him without getting something in return. Now, I'm not saying that's the right philosophy, and, and most fans will be up in arms. But at, running a team, he said, I need to get something in return because I'm afraid we're going to lose him. And I don't think with him, 
we're going to win a World Series. So, again, I, I mean, I know fans go nuts when you bring this up, and that's smart of Rob Bradford to bring it up whenever you can because you're going to get a bazillion clicks. Mm. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, he made the moves, and in 2021 they came two uh, wins away from uh, winning the pennant. Uh, would they have done that with Mookie Betts? Maybe. Uh, would they have done it if they lost Mookie Betts and didn't get Verdugo or anybody in return? Maybe not. So I, I understand both sides. But I think at the end of the day, did he want to leave? No. Did he have a burning z- desire to stay? I don't think so. TC, our most hockey-involved conversation ever, I think, today. So a new a new high for us here. Red Sox baseball tonight, 838 pregame show for us. Another late night for you as the Sox are out on the West Coast on the TV side. So uh, get some more sleep here a little bit before the pregame show. Have, I mean, listen, just because I'm, I'm, I'm you know, completely gassed and, uh, but, you know, we don't have to get the short. I mean, I'll say this. I think if you didn't stay up for the game Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, whatever this is, uh, it might have been the most important win of the year. I, re- I will I will say that at this point. We're 57 games in, something like that. I don't even know. The but, most uh, important win of the year, beating yeah. a team that's lost 12 games in a row and just yeah. had Mike Trout leave the game with injury. Sure. Look what Philadelphia did Friday after they fired Joe Girardi. I mean, teams generally get a bump. You know, yeah, and so you fire the manager, and they come out. Trout hits a home run. Trout hits a double. Now Trout left the game, okay? But you are down in the seventh inning, going into the seventh inning. They had not won a single game yet this year when trailing going into the seventh inning. 0-16 on the season when they were losing after six. They tie the game. They hadn't won an extra innings game on the road yet this season. They win an extra innings game on the road. But more important than any of that, and, and Alex Gore finally said it after the game, Tanner Houck, pitched the eighth and the ninth, and Alex Gore said, we're going to use him in the highest leverage situations up to two innings. Is that a closer? Maybe not yet, but it's a big step towards being a closer. And this team has been rudderless at the back end of the bullpen. As you know, that was Strom who came out and got the save in the tenth. Okay, But what do you do with a closer? You usually use him in the ninth, tenth, try to get that extra innings going. Red Sox last night had a bullpen that came in the fifth inning, stabilized everything. Red Sox win the game. They haven't had many games, as you know. The reason they were 0-16 is because the bullpen wouldn't keep them close enough to win those games. Last night it did, and I think that's an important step forward for this team. I seem to recall four gut-wrenching losses uh, by my Mariners to the Red Sox that I would put above yesterday's win, but maybe that's just me. So, DC, the Mariners. I mean, they could do that again this weekend. That's not important. Well, let's let's hope not. But let's let the Mariners get at least at least one this weekend. We'll see what happens. So we'll see. Sox are rolling. Socks are rolling. They've won six straight. They'll go for seven straight tonight. TC, appreciate you. Thanks. Appreciate it, Brad.